0: From round the corner to your street and neighbourhood, this is Pablo for for Breakfast. Economist Dr Cameron Murray joining me this morning to discuss inflation, the economy and where are we headed. Dr Cameron Murray, good morning.
1: Thanks for having me Pablo.
0: Not a problem. Now how did we get here? Because there's a lot of debt. All the states seem to be crippled. With debt at the moment, and inflation seems to be running wild, even though uh, the you know, Reserve Bank keeps putting our interest rates up. So, what's going on? How, how do we get to this stage?
1: Look, I'll, I'll let you in on a little secret. Uh, most economists don't know. Um, yeah, I think if we look, if we look back just a few years to before COVID, very few uh, economists predicted. What would happen as a base, uh, based on the sort of policy stances we took? Um, so I think we need to preface any any response with, uh, you know, we have some ideas in economics, but uh, we don't have a real refined engineering style um, way of of looking at it. But uh, with that in mind, I guess the the answer to your question is is, is our COVID response. Mm. I think because. Um, prior to 2020, the big problem we had, not not just in Australia but globally, was that we couldn't get enough inflation. We couldn't keep inflation up into our 2 to 3% band. And in fact, even uh, between 2017 and 2019, the central banks of the world were reducing interest rates um, to try and get inflation. Uh, and they couldn't do it. So it wasn't until the the world shut down in the COVID panic that we completely disrupted our ability to produce and distribute uh, the goods and services that we used to. And at the same time, every country in the world flooded people's bank accounts with Mm. uh, the new money that is our debt. Um, Mm. uh, Only after that, that combined supply shock, we call it. So the disruption to, uh, you know, uh, the imports of cars and the waiting waiting times to buy a Toyota, that sort of thing. So the supply disruptions as well as the demand because the average Australian bank account had $11,000 more in it after the stimulus during COVID. Now, that's just part of the global trend, but that's how we got to where we are today.
0: (laughs) So when we look back at that, I I recently watched a a video from Peter Costello, Australia's longest serving uh, treasurer, and he was talking about the last couple of years and the economic policies that we had with COVID. Uh, You know, we're going to be paying for it for decades and looking back, you know, in, in 20, 30 years and, and being quite critical of it um and when you look out how much we spent on covid it's like 300 billion i think was the federal australian uh how much we've spent so far i'm guessing yeah that's just such a huge influx of cash to go into the economy is that what's kind of sparked all this and at the time we're economists like this might not be the greatest thing to do
1: uh yeah some were i i was in the camp of um you know shutting down the production side of the economy and our ability to travel and trade uh is probably a bad idea Mm -hmm. after all the the whole point of being a rich country is to uh enjoy all those services and uh all these things help us live long and happy lives um on the on the financial side you 've got to keep in mind that every year we create billions of new dollars uh, through the normal operation of financial markets every mortgage creates new money and gives it to the seller of a of a home for example so we're always increasing the supply of money but that three hundred billion dollars is is nearly two it's almost an extra year's worth of government spending squeezed wow. into one year and just put in everyone's bank accounts and and of course the public sector is nearly a third of the economy. Uh, and so, you know, this is trying to get an extra third of spending out of the economy while the world's shut down. And so that's why we saw energy uh, inflation. That's why we saw inflation in imports of, of motor vehicles, for example, and a lot of the, the international trade in food. And now we're seeing sort of the second round of that as people... Uh, uh, wage earners in particular, renegotiating wages up to deal with that, that's going to flow into the cost of services. So I suspect we might have a little bit of a second wave uh, of inflation in the next uh, 12 months, but I think the overall trend now is is coming back down as all that spending's washed through and now it's being parked in particular bank accounts and in particular financial assets.
0: So what can be used to stop inflation, right? Because the Reserve Bank seems to have one hammer, and they love to hit it. Yeah. Uh, And Chuck, the interest rate's up uh, 11, I think, in a row, and it looks like there's probably going to be more of that to come. But is there anything else that... It seems very single-minded that this is the only thing that that seems to be happening from the government and the Reserve Bank. As an economist, are there other levers that could be pulled?
1: Yeah, well, uh, so what the Reserve Bank does is what we call monetary policy, and essentially they try to reduce... Spending in the economy on new goods and services by increasing the price of mortgages, basically. Um, And so all the households with mortgages, all the potential households who want to buy new homes or renovate, stop doing that. So they stop spending um, because of the price of money. The other way to stop spending in the economy is for the governments themselves to stop spending and delay major projects, things like that. So we've seen in Victoria, that government had the biggest run-up in debt during the financial uh the, the the covid period and uh so they've actually started delaying or postponing or, or uh, a lot of the major construction projects that they had planned for example their, their airport rail line um has been indefinitely postponed so that's the other way you do it is, is slowing down spending by the government and the monetary policy is a way of slowing down spending uh, by people especially those leveraged into the housing market so they're sort of the two ways to do it but at the end of the day, inflation does somewhat solve itself most of the time. Um, because prices are up, we can't buy more mm. of the goods with our fixed income, right? Um, and so what happens is typically the price of goods will, will tend to come down and the, and the price of incomes or wages will tend to go up and, and we will sort of reach this new equilibrium, economists call it. Um, so in some cases, the, the answer to high prices is the high prices themselves and we shouldn't worry too much. And my personal view is we've seen the the end of that inflation wave in a lot of countries around the world. If we look to Europe, if we look to North America, so we should really expect that same trend to be flowing through in Australia in the second half of this year of inflation coming down, uh, sort of regardless of uh, what we do with interest rates. One of the examples of that is Japan that hasn't really changed interest rates down or up during COVID or, or afterwards, and they're sort of having the same inflation everyone's having or a little bit less. And they they didn't do anything uh, with their interest rates. So, you know, it's really a global story. It's about global supply and it's about um, the extra spending uh, that we've enabled without all that stimulus, not just in Australia, but everywhere.
0: So where are we headed? Give me some good news, please. Or is it getting worse before it gets better?
1: No, I think uh, I think we'll see rising wages a little bit more this mm. year and slowing inflation. So yeah, uh, the it's always good to have in the back of your mind. The economy moves in cycles. Mm-hmm. By the time everyone's you know worked up and panicked about an issue, we're we're probably at the end of that part of the cycle uh, and we're ready to, to turn around. Um, so I think that's a little bit the case now with inflation. We, we might see a little bit of a bounce. But I don't think we're going to exceed any of the the highs we had at the beginning of this year uh, and late last year. So I think we're going to return to that sort of pre-COVID stability uh, of prices that we had. Uh, I can't tell you where the housing market's going or what your mortgage will be. But in terms of uh, the overall global trend in inflation, I think it's hard to um, see really any other substantial you know, future other than subsiding inflation and Australia going with the global trend.
0: Now you mentioned before uh, the fact that governments are probably putting off those big projects. is that maybe why we're not seeing so much movement when it comes to affordable and social housing as that the government doesn't want to uh, contribute more to inflation when it comes to that? I
1: mean yeah, like I, it's true that if the the public sector tried to build, an extra 30,000 dwellings this year, that the the cost would rise because the construction sector is already at its capacity. Mm-hmm. But I would remind people that it hasn't stopped, for example, I'm living in, in Brisbane. Uh, it hasn't stopped, for example, the Queensland government ramping up their Olympic infrastructure spending, yeah. regardless of the inflationary conditions. So I think it's really a choice of priorities politically about what you engage the construction sector to do whether it's the road widening the Olympics um, or whether it's public and social housing so uh, I really think that's you know a, a question of priorities not a question of could we do it or not yeah of course we could do it if we weren't building some other you know great big white elephant project the government wants to do uh,
0: dr Cameron Murray really appreciate your time today
1: Thanks, Pablo. The feel-good start to your day. This is Pablo for breakfast.